Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. Morning shot. A very good Tuesday morning to you and welcome to Morning Shot. I'm Lin Lee. Today, we bring you into the climate financing space. UK's development finance institution and impact investor, British International Investment, or BII, has just committed 15 million US dollars to the SUSI Asia Energy Transition Fund. Now, this investment marks the start of the institution's ambitions to invest up to 500 million pounds in climate finance to the Indo-Pacific region. With the target to boost clean and sustainable economic growth and support the region's green energy transition, the latest move is also part of the UK's wider efforts to pivot to the region. For more, we're joined by Srini Nagarajan, British International Investments Managing Director and Head of Asia. Good morning to you, Srini. Good morning. Thank you. How are you? Good, thanks. And uh, also on the line with us is Tom Moody, Southeast Asia Regional Director for Climate and Energy at the UK Foreign, Commonwealth and Development Office. Good morning, Tom. Hi, how are you doing? Thanks for having me. All right. We understand that the SUSI Asia Energy Transition Fund, which BII is committing to, specifically focuses on emerging Southeast Asian economies. Now, that's including Indonesia, Vietnam and the Philippines. Firstly, there are many other climate funds out there. So why specifically this fund? Srini? I just want to give you a bit of background. BII is a UK government-owned AFI formed in 1947 and the oldest amongst DFI. So you can imagine it has got 75 years of existence. And we have seen a number of cycles over a period of time. Mm-hmm. Our objective is really doing good without losing money and striking a balance between being developmental and commercial. If you look at our developmental goals, what we really mean is they are predicated on productivity, sustainability, and inclusion. Productivity is about creation of jobs, catalyzing markets. Sustainability is our commitment to climate change. And inclusion is who benefits from our money where we use the $5.5 as a benchmark. Emerging Asia is an important part of our strategy in Southeast Asia amongst the, 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 the three main countries of Vietnam, Indonesia, and Philippines. It's an important focus for climate-related investments. I see actually rightly pointed out we're planning to invest up to 500 million pounds in Southeast Asia to both climate finance and, uh, and support the region's energy transition. It's a part of our commitment to climate strategy where we've already committed $1.7 billion dollars Specifically on SUSI, mm-hmm. uh, particularly, I think there are three main points. One is it's very strongly aligned with our climate strategy. That is 100% climate finance, which supports our target to commit 30% of our investments by value of climate finance. It targets infrastructure projects across energy transition spectrum, which is an important uh, you know, part of Southeast Asia. And thirdly, I think it's managed by a team of solid experience and experienced professionals. Mm-hmm. And I think with a complete focus on, um, on, on Philippines, Indonesia and the Mekong region. And lastly, I think other DFIs, development institutions like um, FMO, Sweat Fund, North Fund are also participating with us, which gives us a lot of, um, you know, impetus on Philip. Srini, as with many other climate funds, questions always arise on where exactly the money goes to. Can you share some examples of the projects that BAI is hoping to fund under this initiative? Absolutely. So, uh, as I said, this entire focus will be on energy transition uh, because renewable energy currently only meets around 15% of region's energy demand. And there is an increasing renewable energy generation capacity in the region is very urgently needed, complemented by energy efficiency and energy storage. And uh, in this particular regard, SUSI is an established and experienced fund manager. 
So the, uh, the the fund's strategic focus on is will be on utility scale renewable energy generation, energy storage, energy efficiency, commercial and industrial and microgrid solution, which is very aligned with our investment mandate in the region. The fund has uh, has already made four investments in the region, and the, the other ones will also try and uh, see how how they are able to complement this. Number one, uh, they have done a you know a solar distributed generation JV in Thailand. Mm-hmm. Second one is utility scale renewable JV development in Pacific Impact, and in Philippines, and uh, to be expanded into Indonesia and Cambodia. Third one is solar distributed generation developer ACCB in Vietnam. And the fourth one is an energy efficiency focused JV called Invest Energy in Thailand. Uh, and so I think one of the other things I'll quickly mention about mm-hmm. this particular fund is that they will take controlling stakes in these businesses as a result of which they will be in a position to work with experienced developers in the region where they will have a controlling position. And as a result of which they will be in a position to control the, uh, you know how these projects are developed eventually. And SUSE partners AGs and established an experienced asset manager of private equity and private credit strategies and, and real specialists in sustainable energy infrastructure, including dedicated strategies focused on renewable energy, energy efficiency and energy storage. And it's based out of Zurich. Tom, let's bring you into the conversation. Is this latest investment by BRI going to benefit Singapore as well in terms of green projects that might involve a little bit, Todd? Yeah, I think it will benefit Singapore um, in, a, in a sort of bigger sense uh, and more directly. I mean, so, so BRI has really said to open uh, their Southeast Asia headquarters relatively recently. You know, the, our foreign secretary came here last September and opened the HQ. Uh, and, and that really recognises the fact that Singapore sees itself as a, uh, a regional centre of green finance. And it's already got great credentials around that, you know, green investment, technology, uh, standards, you know, skills, all growing here. So when BII starts to make investments, you know, just nine months in uh, after opening, it really boosts that reputation for Singapore as a, as a regional mm. green finance hub. And obviously that reinforces the government's recognition that uh, that strategy has jobs and economic growth potential for Singapore directly. Uh, But in a narrower sense, uh, we should recognise, I think, that this investment and the type of investment that BII will make in future, because, of course, this is just the start from here, will take away the the risks and start to prove the case for commercial capital, for private finance, into regional renewable energy and energy storage, like uh, the kinds of projects that Srini is talking about. So ultimately, what we'll get is more project developers coming forward, more private finance flowing in. And that is, of course, really directly useful for Singapore, uh, not only as a source of finance, but because uh, it's increasingly looking to the region to import renewable energy. And we've seen recently a deal signed with Cambodia and Vietnam with that exactly in mind. So I think it does benefit Singapore in a, in a few ways uh, quite directly, actually, yeah. Okay. Srini, your company is intending to pump up to £500 million in the Indo-Pacific region over the coming years. Could you give us some sense of how you envision that would help in terms of a green energy transition? Would that come more in the form of innovative solutions or perhaps infrastructure development? So first of all, I think uh, one thing to realise is if you look at any investor in the region, just bringing in money alone is mm-hmm. not adequate. Mm-hmm. It's very important that you have value, value creation strategy beyond money. One is about the highest levels of ethics standards and, and uh, you know, the, the, the business integrity standards, which are very critical to these emerging markets. Second thing, I think fundamentally, we are probably the only DFI in the world which has got controlling stakes in businesses, 
In Africa, we own one of the largest IPPs called, you know, this is this is actually called Globalec, which generates around 1.5 gigawatt. Mm. In Asia, in South Asia and India, we have a joint venture with the government of India, an entity called Ayana Renewable, which generates around 1.5 as well. Now, given our experience in all these markets and the fact that we do have controlling stakes or we did have controlling stakes, we understand what it is to operate a power plant and from the point of view of renewable energy. So there's a lot which we can bring to the table in addition to money, our learnings from our other markets, and plus we are always a learning organization. We continue to listen, learn from our partners. Third one is we offer the British Expertise Financial Partnerships, and I think Tom can allude on this. We are a part of this British International Partnerships, of which British International Investment is a very important component. We've got the UK Export Finance, we've got the Department of Business and Trade, and we do have the, the, the Pidge, Infraco, Asia, and Garamco under that. So all this is a part of the British International Partnerships bouquet of services, which we bring under HMG. And I think, um, you, know, you, know, it's, you know, Southeast Asia is a very fast-growing region. Mm. As our, our, and our ability to be value-adding investors to the region, we can nurture some of these entrepreneurs, which, which Susie is able to, mm. to, to find and work with them and build a more sustainable organization. The other point I want to make here is Southeast Asia requires more bankable opportunities. And mm. that's what probably BII can help achieve over a period of time. Okay, Tom, Singapore and the UK have also recently inked a green economy deal aimed at creating business opportunities in the clean energy, low emission transport and sustainable finance sectors. Could you let us in on the latest projects that are in the works currently? Yeah, so uh, 1st of March was our our first green economy uh, agreement. Singapore has a few already, uh, but we call it a framework agreement because it's a hybrid. Mm. So it's looking at uh, policy, regulatory sharing, as much as trade and investment. Uh, and uh, it has the goal of supporting delivery of our respective uh, decarbonisation targets. Mm. Uh, at the same time, it's trying to grow, uh, support green growth across uh, our respective economies. So the three areas you talked about there are the areas where both of our governments think it's most right for that kind of cooperation. And we've been talking a lot to private sector and to academia about that to make sure that we get some tangible uh, examples of projects. So some of the areas that are showing initial promise uh, under that are around, uh, for example, technology and uh, regulatory cooperation for maritime decarbonisation. Um, so we're thinking around, uh, for example, hydrogen fuel cells and shipping uh, and how we could use uh, green and digital shipping corridors to decarbonize, uh, for example. But as Srini said, I mean, a lot of this is also looking outwards into the region. Uh, so uh, we think there are lots of opportunities for Singapore and the UK to work in Southeast Asia and the wider Indo-Pacific uh, to support global emission reduction goals. Uh, and one example of that is uh, we both have a, a strong interest in supporting the ASEAN power grid, the regional power grid, uh, where there's lots of complementary interests and it looks pretty promising there. Uh, so I think there's lots of opportunities for the teacher as well, potentially around you know, green infrastructure, for example. Uh, so we, we want to see lots of business and academic ideas mm-hmm. from both countries coming into this work, because what we really don't want is it to just be a piece of paper. Mm. Our, our ministers on both sides have been very clear that we want tangible projects coming out of that. So I encourage you know, your listeners to get in touch with us at the High Commission or at NTI on the Singaporean side with ideas, uh, for areas that we can help unblock with, with this agreement, because that's really what it's about. Tom, I want to know if these opportunities will actually translate into new green jobs in the market. If so, what are some of the specific green areas or skills that look set to grow in demand? 
Yeah, I think it's already showing some potential around that. Earlier this year, for example, a Singaporean company called More East signed an agreement with a Scottish company called Scott Wind, uh, which does what it says on the tin. It's an offshore wind company. So it's a, a building subsea foundation facility in Aberdeen uh, for offshore wind, and that's created 100 jobs already uh, in, in Scotland. And in the other direction, a UK company called Aerospace, which is an aerospace manufacturer looking at electric uh, taxis, uh, has uh, set up an HQ in uh, Singapore for the for the wider region. So that's looking at decarbonisation of uh, flight in the future. Uh, and throughout the green economy framework, you know, job creation and skills is you know running right through it. Uh, so uh, that's based on the premise, uh, the accepted view on both sides that green growth will bring more jobs than brown growth. So I think you know you'll see growth in areas which won't be a surprise to you or your listeners, which is around you know, carbon accounting, ESG reporting skills. But I think you can also expect to see growth uh, in areas of future technology solutions like you know hydrogen, uh, carbon capture, and also the regulation and deployment of those kind of technologies. So uh, we can we can use the green economy framework to help share skills in both directions too. So. Uh, the UK is really looking forward to sharing, uh, for example, our expertise uh, and our world-leading uh, sort of deployment of offshore wind, uh, where we have the most deployed wind uh, offshore wind in the world. So that's on interconnection, subsea cabling, uh, the contractual sort of arrangements around that, uh, and minimising the cost to the taxpayer. So uh, they, those will be really important, I think, for Singapore's energy transition, but also, as I said before, linking back to the wider region as well. We have lots of joint interests. Right, thank you very much, gentlemen. Thank you for sharing your insights. We've been speaking with Srini Nagarajan, British International Investments Managing Director and Head of Asia, and Tom Moody, Southeast Asia Regional Director for Climate and Energy at the UK Foreign Commonwealth and Development Office. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SBH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.